0: Welcome to episode 38 of the Daniel Yoris podcast with today's guest, Adam Burns. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I'm joined here again by Adam Burns. Adam and I connected very recently, and it became very apparent to me very quickly that his story was one that we needed to share. And that I think follows along the same, a lot of the same lines that we speak about here on the podcast so many times. So, I'm very honored to have Adam on the podcast today. Adam, how's it going, man?
1: Good. Thanks a lot for having me on. Appreciate of, the opportunity.
0: Of course. So Yes, it's a pleasure. Uh, let's just get it right into it. I want to give you a chance to sort of introduce yourself, and then we're going to kind of go along through the whole story here.
1: Sure. So I guess start with fitness. Um, I've always been, was always super active as a kid, played a lot of different sports, running, team sports, everything was, you know, that's part of my life. Um, I was a runner for a lot of my life. And had some injuries with that, so that, you know, didn't go anywhere. In high school, I became a wrestler. That became a huge focus of my athletic endeavors. I was successful in high school and into university. I went to Western for a couple of years after high school as a wrestler. Um, I um, was getting into fitness at that time. So 2010, I joined the fitness industry and, you know, was sort of half-assed in my pursuit over time i became more and more serious about it and started getting some clients and over the years built up uh, my my client base and got more serious about it um to the point where i was you know all in on fitness you know that was my passion helping people to better themselves and you know accomplish their fitness goals which was something that i learned a lot about through wrestling and strength training Um, at that time i got back into running i got put onto an obstacle course race called Tough Mudder. Um, And that became, you know, it was 10 miles, you know, super daunting uh, for someone who just liked to lift weights and (laughs) hang in the gym. So um, I did that with a friend of mine and uh, we survived. We had a great time, you know, walking to the course, you know, the community of Tough Mudder is amazing. And, uh, you know, we vowed, okay, we finished this never again. (laughs) <laughs> but we found ourselves back there next year uh, doing it again. And I kept going to more and more races and, you know, decided that I wanted to pursue this with a little more passion. So I started traveling to races and was training on my own specifically for Tough motors and other obstacle course races. Um, so I started doing trail running and I was getting into rock climbing. So a lot of outdoor pursuits uh, that became my main purpose um, with fitness. And then my own athletic endeavor was Oh, so outside activities. So trail running, mountain biking, rock climbing. You couldn't keep me inside at all. Um, I, that got more and more time for me to the point when in 20, 19, I moved to Alberta, uh, to the mountains to see how far I could take it. I know ambitions of being a, a pro runner or anything like that. Just wanted to push myself and discover what I was really capable of. So I lived in a trailer in the mountains for uh, a couple months. Um, had a really good time there running, climbing mountain biking again. Um, I wasn't working in fitness at that time, you know, moving to a new province from Ontario. So moving to a new province, you know, takes time to get your footing and find a a new gym. So I wasn't working in fitness. Um, I worked at a retail store, um, selling people outdoors equipment and giving them trail advice. So I guess super passionate about that and had a really good time. Um, at the, at the end of that summer, I moved back to Ontario, There's some family stuff going on. So I moved back to Ontario. Um, and that's the point I started to get a little sick. So my energy was super tanked. You know, I'd be the kind of person that would, you know, work for eight hours and then go for a two hour run. You know, that was, <laughs> or go to, to the gym for a couple hours, you know, super normal, right? Super active. I had no energy at all to do any activities you know, work. I would get, need a couple coffees to get through and, um, just found myself completely no energy. So it was getting concerning. Um, started to see some doctors cause I had some stomach issues as well and found out that I had brain cancer, um, after a few months of, um, different doctors, all these tests. Uh, so I got diagnosed in March, 2020, which is just as the world started to shut down. <laughs> mm-hmm. So pretty bad timing there. Um, and that definitely you know, changed everything. You know, just getting to you know what's next. Am I going to survive this? You know, what am I going to look like at the end? Um, definitely changed my whole perspective on life. Um, just trying to figure out, you know, what's next. So I had a surgery uh, in March that last year um, to do a biopsy. Um, and after that surgery, I was in the hospital for eight days after um, relearning how to walk and how to swallow. So someone who is a mountain runner you know, relearning how to walk was a big shift, um, but I got through that and spent the last year on chemotherapy. So again, just completely tanked my energy and had no fitness at all. Really, you know, for me, going for a ten-minute walk was a successful day for um, a workout that day, and I finished in. Uh, july so just a few months removed from uh, finishing chemo um i started back working in fitness so i'm working at a gym helping out clients again and uh back in the gym lifting again as well so strength training doing some cycling so building my strength up again and uh fitness from pretty much zero but uh you know that's the journey
0: <laughs> yeah amazing and, and an amazing story and obviously a lot there and a lot too unpack there so thank you again for kind of running us running us through that and and thank you again for you know for being here and sharing this with us because I think it's there's a lot that you're gonna have to offer and and a lot of very helpful advice uh, for many people in in many areas of life so I want to kind of take things a little bit back rewind the clock a little bit how did you really get started to fitness you're you're a wrestler which I didn't know previous to when you just said that and it always blows my mind and maybe it's because I'm biased because I'm a big martial arts fan, never really competed or trained in it myself to any relevant extent, but how many people I know who, who I'm, who I respect and, and love their stories that are involved in martial arts. But anyways, how did that turn into getting into fitness? Was it more of just a job at first and then something that became more serious or did you know that that's where you wanted to end up?
1: Yeah, I definitely fell into it. So through my wrestling, I you know, was doing some strength training supplement my my fitness there so i learned a lot from a coach that i had who was a great coach um a job that i got was when i was back from university in the summers i got a job at a gym that our family was a member at so i knew the the staff there i knew the manager and she gave me a job you know working the the desk and cleaning up in the gym so just an entry-level fitness job and i definitely was not serious about it um I, you know, was still in the university mode of party mode, so I didn't do the job too seriously. Um, but she saw something in me, I guess, and kept me on for a few years. And over time, I, you know, was more serious about the gym and started getting a few clients here and there. And I just fell into it, luckily, I guess, and worked out well.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and there's and there's nothing wrong with that at all, right? right. It's it's probably actually more beneficial that it just so happened that way rather than you were like desperate like oh you know i've got a great body i've lifted weights before i can do this fitness thing it's pretty easy like that is more of the backwards way of someone who you know uh, air quotes here for anyone who won't see this part of the video like we know wants to be a fitness person right it's more like oh okay i guess this is something to do for now i'm very young i'm not really sure oh i kind of like this other people have faith in me oh i guess i'm kind of good at this this is a good feeling let me explore this a little bit more and then that just grows and grows and evolves right
1: Sure. Yeah. For me, you know, I was active in sports, but not a super fit guy. You know, I'm a smaller guy, and, you know, people look at me and maybe not know that I lifted weights. So it was an up, you know, like you say, the reverse. You know, our culture now is someone's an Instagram model, you know, because they look good, they're big. Okay. They must know what they're doing, but that's not necessarily the case, right? It's someone who's put the years in, you know, I went to college for fitness. I go to courses. You know, my spare time is studying, you know, anatomy, physiology, best coaching practices, and, you know, when you take it seriously like that, it's a lot more than just a, a weekend insert for trainers like that.
0: Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, it's often the case where, you know, the best minds in fitness are not necessarily the best bodies. And mm-hmm. there are many reasons for that. Sometimes it's just a simple, not willing to look like a Mr. Olympia competitor because I don't, right. I'm not willing to do the things that it takes to get, I know how to do it. If I, if I wanted to, Right. And not saying that I could be that. But like, it's like, I understand the scientific principles that are required to right. get there. It's just like, I'm also just not willing to do the things that it would take to even pursue that. Right. And right. and there's nothing and there's nothing wrong with that, with that either. Um, so then how did that evolve more so into the, like the adventure sports? Cause this is also, I think a common transition for a lot of us where, you know, we get, we get strong you build up that body that you want and you kind of, you reach a level where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm good with this. I'm like, I like this. I, now I want something more. I can, yes, continue to pursue strength and bodybuilding for forever, but I want something I want to be able to use my body.
1: For sure. So, um, a friend had challenged me to do the Tough Mudder in 2012 was my first one, um, it was kind of like a macho challenge. Okay, can we, you okay. know, get the this? It was the toughest event on the planet, you know. Did you course. sorry,
0: did you did you train at all for that first one or you just kinda just did it?
1: Not at all. For those for the first few, I, I didn't run a single step. You know, I, I bought into the myth that running would kill my gains, right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, ten miles was completely daunting to us and um didn't uh didn't train for, for several years in running at that point. Um As I traveled to more events, I started to meet people in the community who were doing bigger things, you know, people that were doing multiple laps of Tough Mudder in a day and running both weekends and doing Tough Mudder every single weekend all over the world. And that completely blew my mind because, you know, doing one event was my big goal for the summer. Okay, survive Tough Mudder. But uh, they opened my my mind to that. And um, Tough Mudder has a race called World's Toughest Mudder. So it's a looped course. So instead of we all did one, in the morning, it's 24 hours, you do as many laps as you can. So, people are out there, you know, of all abilities, you know, crushing their goals from pro athletes to people that are walking, you know, all day. And that, you know, was something that I'm super connected with and was inspired by all the athletes there and wanted to test myself. So, I started to run for that and did that three. I've done three of those so far.
0: Wow, it's super, super impressive. I've seen a lot of the uh, a lot of the tough motor, you know, the promotions and and all the kind of stuff, and and many of these obstacle course, um, type races, and yeah. they all they all look super fun. I've not done one myself, but it is on the list, and I will get to it at some point. Nice. Yeah. Do they want are, to just
1: one, but you know that's the thing is there's there's a pro at level aspect to this where there yeah. are people that are doing it from their for um their living and traveling around the world to the highest level races, all the way to people that are you know just off the couch and want to do a Tough Mudder 5k. Um, so that's, there's a great community involved. That's the best part about it for me is the people for
0: sure. Right. For, for anyone who hasn't heard of it, do you want to just describe, you know, what a Tough Mudder is kind of quickly and then we can continue. For
1: sure. Yeah. So the ultra course racing has been around for 10 years in its current form. There's Tough Mudder, Spartan Race, a few others. It originally was designed sort of based off what Navy SEAL training is. So they have obstacle course races. So in a traditional Tough Mudder, for example, you might do 25 obstacles. They have different levels now, but it's it's historically been 10 miles, so about 16 kilometers of uh, course, and you know it's all trail running, mountain running in some cases, and obstacles like crawling in the mud, over walls, get electrocuted. So it's a great overall challenge for sure.
0: For sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it sounds like it's extremely challenging, but it always looks like people are having a ton of fun, which is always, you know, kind of confusing to the, to the onlooker. It's like, well, how is this so difficult, but people are smiling. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it looks daunting as well, but you know, like I said, people of all levels can, can do it. You know, you don't have to be at their racing. It's a ton of fun. You know, they have a, a festival area around the start line. So people are hanging out, cheering each other on, drink a beer. It's a great time.
0: So after that first one where you kind of just went into it and then you and your buddy said, no, nah, never again. And right. then you went back. What, what was it that drew you back?
1: I think the community, um, you know, the, the second year I went back, I brought my brother. I said, Oh, we would do this mutter. You got to try it. And we actually wore, uh, we decided to test ourselves, you know, okay. We completed Tough Mudder. It wasn't that bad. So we wore the uh, tuxedos from Dumb and Dumber, the orange, and, uh, <laughs> tuxedos, and, uh, just to make it fun and, you know, contribute to the uh the fun atmosphere of Tough Mudder so it was a next level challenge wearing a polyester suit uh in the mud is not uh in August is not uh <laughs> super comfortable but uh, we had a great time got a lot of laughs for that for sure
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting that there's such a strong community aspect because you know and and I'm and I'm guilty of this as well but it's like it's all these things like Tough Mudder like CrossFit like a lot of these kind of group activities where from an exercise scientist standpoint you look at it and be like that's kind of dumb like why would you do all that stuff but it's not about it's not about what you're doing it's about that you're getting exercise that you're using your body and this community that is built around these type of events is is something that's very strong and very special and not to be discounted because i you know i'll always say it's better you know i'd rather you be doing kind of like dumb exercise than sitting on the couch eating chips so like that's so like that's good like tough mudder is not something that you would use to train you would train and then so that you can uh you know display your training during a tough mudder right but uh, the, yeah. the the community aspect of it is is always very impressive for me.
1: Yes, definitely. And The people I've met that do you know the the twenty four hour race and try to challenge themselves. The people travel all over the U.S. and Canada. Um, so there's a huge community of people, and you know I can go to a race in, in California and know a bunch of people there that I've met from racing around the world, and that's you know hard to match with a gym environment for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and it's a little bit more. It's a little bit more tactile, I think, for some people because it can be, it can be very foreign to non-gym people that like, well, why would you want to squat more weight on two plates, sure. three plates, four plates? Like, what's the point of it? And and really there is no actual point of it, right? It's just, you know, the pursuit of the endless pursuit of strength. But then you think about something like a Tough mutter. It's like, oh, that seems a little bit more tangible to be able to run for 10 miles and to climb over stuff and crawl and, and, you know, jump and get in the water and like do all these things. That's a little bit more like, oh yeah, that, that's like how we move. Like it will be like, I'm not going to find myself in an environment where I need to do all those things in the, in the real world, but it would be nice to know that I could do it if I had to.
1: For sure. And I think that's a big thing for a lot of people is. You know, if someone works a desk job, you know, nine to five all day, you know, they're not really ever getting uncomfortable. So doing Mm -hmm. something like that, where you're pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone, you're getting dirty, you know, you're getting bloody. It's something primal about it that people really resonate with for sure.
0: Yeah. I think that, I think that that is a hugely important thing in in all of training, right? Is that it prepares us, it prepares us for, for difficult things in, in the real world. Right. So like, what happened to you like last year? Like. That's about as, that's about as difficult as it gets. And, and we're going to, we're going to get through that, you know, in coming up in in a few minutes here, but, you know, I would imagine that all of the training and all of the things that you've done in these events, you know, on a, on a psychological level contributed to your ability to come through it.
1: For sure. And that was something I struggled with a lot was, you know, you you mentioned there the endless pursuit of strength and endurance and, I was always pushing myself to the next level, and I became very fit. You know, in 2019, I was super fit, climber, runner, mountain biking, strength. Um, and then I got sick, and you know, it was a night unable to train. And over the year, I lost all of that fitness. So for mm-hmm. me, you know, at times I had a lot of time to think um, without working. So at first, I thought you know it was all for nothing. I really wasted all that time. But then I, I thought about it more and more, and I realized. You know, what I did really did help me, you know, psychologically and physically, I think to get through chemo, something so physically challenging in and, and a different sense of the word. Um, what I did really did prepare me for that. And now the fact that I'm off chemo for a couple months and, you know, I can go for a couple hours, bike ride, I'm, I'm back in the gym. I think all the training I did helped me to get to the point where I am now, where, you know, I'm doing okay. Like I, I got through it. It didn't completely destroy me. I survived. So you know,
0: what's next? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, bring, bring it on. And I think that that's another another very important thing to highlight in, that is missed in people who are sort of against fitness um, is that it's not that if you're fit and you're healthy and you eat, you know, good foods and all this stuff, you're not going to live forever. You're not going to live pain-free. Not everything's going to be perfect. Right. But when shit hits the fan, you are going to be better prepared to handle whatever comes at you should that thing come at you it, than if you were not in the gym not fit not eating healthy foods right
1: 100 percent. you know training for life is you know people's strength train and i, th- I think a, a great goal that a lot of you know the general population has is having better energy um just set movement, of quality of life because like you said you never know what's going to happen you know you could get diagnosed with brain cancer you could get in a bad car accident that you know debilitates you so it's fitness has a lot of application for life that we don't often think about but you gotta be ready.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. In in your opinion, what is it about the difficult physical challenges of something like a tough mudder or just you know a regular hard workout in the gym? What is it that attracts us? Because again, inherently, it's like this sucks. It's hard, but there's something about it that we like. What What do you think that is?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, what attracts us to that? People like pushing their limits. I mean, a lot of people, are, you know, in our daily life, we're very comfortable. We have AC. You know, we have cars. Have grocery stores that we can pick out whatever food we like so our lives are very comfortable and there's something to be said for finding that discomfort you know working out and getting sore isn't isn't comfortable that's not you know that's not you could you could live happily and on the couch eating pizza all day you know that's a perfectly common way to go um there's a lot to be said for pushing that limit you know people that go to the gym when it's 6 a.m. in Canada and then you, there's just a snowstorm you get you get there you find a way to get to the gym there's something to be said for that for sure
0: yeah I've I've always thought that it's it's something about we push ourselves and we find out that we can actually do it and mm-hmm. so then it's like oh wow that was like I could do that like I did that thing and I think right. about you know young children I, I used to coach uh, very young kids in soccer like four or five years old and barely walk and, uh, well, they could walk about, you know, whatever. Um, right. and you know, they would learn a new skill and they, and they might, or we're doing like a somersault or something, you know, running or dribbling a ball. And it's like, oh, I can't do that. And then, you no, know, they do it. And then all they want to do is keep doing that and then do the next thing. And then the next thing. And so, you know, that's not as physically challenging, but it's a little bit of a microcosm of this, like, oh, I'm not sure I can do that. But then you do it and then you realize, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a little, I'm capable of a little bit more than I thought I was
1: for sure and, and like it's all relative right so a kid learning how to kick a ball or you know catch a throw is is a great accomplishment for them someone who's uh, been in the fitness industry for 20 years maybe it's getting a 3 times your body weight deadlift you know everyone has relative goals and they're all equally valid for sure
0: right yeah i think that that's a very that's a very important thing to to highlight there as well yes. that someone else's goals are not necessarily your goals that mm-hmm. one just to reiterate what you said getting that 3 times body weight deadlift that's an amazing goal but if it's your first time in the gym that's unrealistic and that's not something sure. that you should compare yourself to. Right. Really. Do you think that people need to be in, in good shape, quote unquote, good shape before getting into a tough mutter, or, or how would you like advise someone to sort of prepare or get into it? If someone's kind of thinking about these type of things.
1: I think someone can start from, from zero and do it. Um, if I put a random person on the course right now, zero training, they could get through it. The community, personal drive, Can definitely, you you can get through it. You can survive anything. You might be a little beat up, a little sore, but you survive. And what Tough Mudder does a really good job of is providing motivation and training for people. So if you sign up for Tough Mudder, okay, you're thinking maybe it's in the summer coming up. So that's you know eight months from now. So you have time to put in a little work. And people are amazed. You know what they can do is, you know, a little running, a little bit of you know, a little bit of strength training. You'll be all right.
0: Did you find that having those kind of deadlines when you signed up for a race that's in a month or two months, it was something good to like train for instead of just training for life type of thing?
1: 100%. I think having a hard goals like that is so important. So, whether it's, you know, doing an ultra course race or a marathon or you have a wedding coming up next summer and you want to, you know, lose 10 pounds, having something concrete is super valuable because otherwise, you know, you could find yourself just spinning your wheels in the gym and doing the same things. And you might not get anywhere. If you have something concrete, then, uh, you're more likely to stay on track. I feel.
0: Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. Even if you have to kind of like make up goals or make up deadlines, sure. if you don't have something in your life, yeah. just to, just to keep you accountable, because it is, it is difficult to just continue training for the sake of training. It's sure. especially for, for, you know, young people where it's like, Oh, I'm not everything feels good. Like everything's good. I don't feel like if I don't go to the gym this week, like I'm not going to wake up and my back's going to hurt. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not right. 75 years old. So it's like, you know, it's hard to, to sort of uh, keep those things in, in perspective. I think sometimes.
1: Definitely.
0: What type of things do you, or would you suggest that people who are training to do like these type of races a little bit more competitively? Like what does that training actually look like?
1: For sure. So it is at, the, at, its, at its core, it's a running event. So you need to be on the trails. Do some trail running. That's you know what it takes to, you know, go to run 24 hours. You know, you do need to put in some running time. On top of that, I found that I was a rock climber as well. So for me, the grip strength, coordination from that translated beautifully into OCR. And a lot of top athletes are doing that. They're trail running and rock climbing. And you know, when your training looks like that and you get to go in the mountains, it's not so bad.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's a lot of um I hate to use the word functional, but, but it's a right. lot more like just functional stuff. It's not there. Bicep curls, not helping you out, you know, a little glute kickback, whatever nonsense, not helping you out. It's like full, full body movements, get your, get your whole core, everything involved, get your grip strength, good, get your coordination and your balance on point And, and, and endurance sounds like a lot.
1: For sure. Endurance is huge. And, you know, a lot of stuff, um, grip strength is huge because of things like monkey bars and they always throw different obstacles at you. So having good grip strength is key. Um, yeah, and, and like you said, it's the foundational stuff: compound movements, squat, pick up heavy stuff, do some farmers carries. Um, nothing too fancy, but that
0: yeah, works. what a what a what a concept that it's it's the the basics <laughs> done well again and again and again and again. That is the best way to train, right? Mind blowing yeah. stuff.
1: Yes, <laughs> hard sell <laughs> for some people that you know. Good training over time is it's not always sexy, right? You come into the gym and you know your workout might be a little boring, but you know you put that in for years and years and you'll get somewhere amazing for sure.
0: Yeah, exactly. Someone someone said to me once, you know, the best exercises, all the best exercises, they've all been invented already. Yes. Like we're not going to we're not going to come up with a better squat. That's just our anatomy is not changing that much. There's not yeah. that many ways to do things. You might find slightly different ways to load it and different ways to cue it and things like that, but all the best exercises have been invented. We need to stop searching for like the newest sexiest thing on Instagram and just do what we know works and then do it forever.
1: Exactly. You know, that consistency is so underrated. You know, if you're coming into the gym, you know, putting in the time over time, you know, don't flip flop because you saw someone on Instagram doing some crazy movement, you know, get in the gym, do your squats, row something, do some push-ups. It's tried and true.
0: Exactly. Exactly. It does not have to be that complicated for sure. Right. <laughs> Good stuff, man. So so let's fast forward a little bit then to to last March. Hmm. You're feeling very tired, start to feel sick. Something wasn't right, of course. Doctors Millions of tests, and and if you and if you want to kind of just talk about going through the the healthcare system in Canada through all this, that, that may be helpful for someone else who may be going through it. But tell me what was you know kind of happening in the few months leading up to to March of last year.
1: For sure. So I had been working um, a retail job um, in Collingwood, so north of Toronto. Um, Like I said, I had very little energy, so getting through an eight hour shift was quite a challenge and I had no energy to exercise at all. I was getting stomach issues as well. So I went to see a lot of gastro doctors and they were looking at different issues. My diet was completely perfect. Zero alcohol, you know, great diet. And still I was dealing with a lot of issues like that. So very frustrating for sure. I think I saw eight or nine different doctors who said, we don't know what's wrong with you. I said, okay, great. And in my life, you know, knock on wood, I've never broken a bone. I've never been sick past like the flu. You no, know, I've had no issues and so never go to the hospital. And dealing with, I was a little bit unfamiliar with the healthcare system. So my mom helped me out. She guided me through, she works in healthcare and got me to see some great doctors. And I eventually got to a point when I had to stop working because I was you know, just so sick, so frustrated with how I was feeling. That i had to stop and just decide okay i'm gonna 100 percent focus on getting healthy now you know i'll get through it and i'll come back to work in a few weeks and my work was great they let me just take some time off um so i continued to see different doctors didn't find any answers eventually I started getting some headaches and they got pretty severe um, and i got referred to a have an mri and the mri was what found the brain tumor That was also very difficult to get because it was March, middle of March last year, and there was no way for the average person to get an MRI at that point. You know, the the world was shutting down. So I got very lucky that I got in to get the MRI when I did, and that discovered the brain tumor. And within a couple of weeks, I was referred to an amazing uh, neurosurgeon who said, okay, we need to get this, you know, it's going to happen soon. But again, you know, they weren't really booking any procedures, so I had to wait and on a, it was a Friday night, I was at home, got a call, all right, you're gonna come in tomorrow morning for this surgery. Wow. And it's a pretty gnarly surgery. Um, it's called the craniotomy. So they remove a section of my skull to open up, uh, to get inside my head and biopsy tumors on my stem, So I'm gonna remove the, the, a piece of the tissue to biopsy to figure out exactly what it was to make a better course of treatment there. And there's a ton of risks involved. It could have killed me, it could have paralyzed me, could have uh, done a whole host of nasty things. But my doctor and her team are amazing and they, the surgery went perfectly. Like I said, I did have some difficulty afterwards, which was expected. So I was in hospital for about eight days. That was one of the toughest things as well, for sure, because I wasn't allowed any visitors because it was COVID time. Right. So eight days in a uh, neuro recovery unit was quite an experience uh, by yourself there. Um, but I got through that and, you know, moved on from there because it was, it happened pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. And, and I mean, I'm happy that it did happen quickly yeah. because of course, you know, time is is of the essence in these types of things. And like you right. said, the, the Canadian healthcare system for, for all of the great things that it offers, speed is often not one of them. Right. And, you know, I, I had my own story with a knee surgery, way less of an issue than what you went through, but that in and of itself, to get a knee surgery, which is like way less complex than what you went through. But that took four or five doctors and, you know, a year and a half of stuff just to get a knee surgery. And so it's like, you know, these, these more complicated things like you need to really advocate or anyone listening, you know, you need to advocate for yourself. Like, yes, they're gonna, they're gonna take care of you. But if things are not right, things are not, and this is not like a do your own research, don't trust the doctors. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But it's like, you know, you, you need to, you need to push and you need to advocate for yourself because uh, of just the way the whole, the whole thing is, is, is built. And then especially, you know, layer on top COVID with all of that and all the uncertainty and all the, um, you know, the lack of availability in the hospitals and all that kind of stuff. That's a whole crazy other element to it. Um, What was the most difficult part of of kind of, of that first part of the recovery?
1: Yeah, like for sure, not being able to see family and friends was very difficult because they were all very concerned, obviously, and wanted to support. And I spoke to them often, but not being able to give your your family a hug is excuse me—it's quite quite difficult. Um, you know, there was there was nothing going on. I wasn't working. You know, there was no sports on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see my friends, so it was it was a tough time. So the isolation was was very difficult for sure, and it yeah. was unknown, right? Because I didn't know okay, I'm going to have chemo next, you know, what's it going to look like? I didn't know. Um, so the unknown was, was quite challenging for sure. Right.
0: Yeah. I, I, I had a feeling you were going to say that it was the, the isolation because yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, we are social creatures, you as a, as a trainer and the, and speaking about the community of of tough mutter uh, and these type of things, it, you know, you like being around people. And so when, when that is taken away from us, especially when we're going through something that's so difficult or when you're going through something that's so difficult, that's a big challenge, and it and it just speaks to the you know the intangible benefits of having you know good people around you. Like you know, there's nothing physically that your buddies or your parents or you know whoever can like do to you in the hospital, but you know just their support means means a hell of a lot.
1: 100, you know, just someone just giving you a call, just say how you doing. You know, it means a lot for sure.
0: Yeah. And so, what was the next step after that? So you had the biopsy. They found out what they found out, and then.
1: So I, was on, um, I started chemo pretty quickly after that, as well as radiation. Um, so the radiation, I had to go into the hospital. So for six weeks, I was going in downtown Toronto every day. Um, the one benefit of COVID was that there's no traffic at that point, so we got downtown from Mississauga pretty easily. Uh-huh. Um, and then I had chemo, uh, so it was a monthly cycle. So for a week, I'd be on chemo. Luckily, my chemo was all oral, so I didn't have to go into the chemo suite, which is what people typically think of. We're sitting in a big chair with an IV for six hours. Um, My chemo was at home, so I was comfortable, just take it and go to bed, sleep off the nausea. Um, I'd be on that for a week, have three or four weeks off, and then start again. And I did 12 rounds of that uh, that just finished uh, in July. So just a few months removed from my last round.
0: So 12 12 rounds of that means like one, it's basically 12 months of that. Like you take it for a week take a couple weeks off, let the body recover, thank it again.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So it took just over a year to get through.
0: And that was all at home. So you had like the support of people around you. Was there any other therapy, any, I, I I have no idea. So I'm just asking generally, but is there any physical therapy, anything else that's involved in that?
1: That's sort of where I'm at now. So the chemo was no, the effect was mostly the fatigue and some nausea that I dealt with while I was on chemo. Um, But the fatigue was the big thing. So, you know, I slept, ton of hours when I was on chemo. Um, there wasn't really any therapy after that. Um, but now I'm at the point where I'm dealing with some coordination issues because it is in my brainstem. So I'm, there's a little bit of physical issues. I can't run yet, which has been quite challenging for me. Um, but I'm actually starting physio, uh, next week. So I'll be you know taking the next step, just trying to get back on track with, um, fitness for sure.
0: Right. One, one step at a time. For so sure. during, during you know, as you're going through all of this, we talked about at the beginning about how you know the physical challenges uh, or pushing through physical challenges through fitness kind of helped you. So tell me about if there's any like you know specific times that you can remember where you know one day in particular was like real tough that you had to like dig deep just to kind of get through it.
1: There's been a lot of those days for sure. Um, traditionally, people think about healing in a linear way, right? So you get sick, you have a couple rough days, and you come out of it, you break a bone. You have you know six weeks or whatever to recover. You're in a cast and you're you're through it. Healing from chemotherapy is non-linear, so there are good days and bad days. You know, some days I would feel amazing and push myself, um, you know, go for a longer walk. You know, maybe do a workout today, and days I would feel pretty shitty and I'm just staying in bed and watching Netflix. So that's been a, quite a challenge as well. It is you know, there's no timetable for when I'm going to be back to normal right I, or whatever the my new normal is um it's there's good days and bad days and you just got to get through the good the bad days and know that there are good days coming
0: right that's that's wonderful to to realize that what what are some of the things that uh you know that got that got you through on those on those tough days
1: uh, just a supportive family so you know just knowing that um you know if i need to just take the day and just stay in bed and not do anything that that's okay. It's accepting that, you know, I'm not going to have a great day and just know that, you know, you'll get, you'll get through it and there's light on the other side. Right. Families they not- with that, you know, they know that, you know, there's sometimes there's mood swings involved and I can get cranky for no reason. And, you know, if I can't work out, I I'm frustrated. And um, they're, they've been super um, supportive in that manner. So allowing me to, you know have a bad day it's it's
0: okay right right of course what what was it like when you know you're not able to move and not able to do all the things like all of these you know all the the tough matters, the fitness all the stuff it's all kind of taken away from you sort of in the in the blink of an eye and mm-hmm. I've had my own experience with that through injury and through you know knee surgery and whatever and I've spoken about this before, but tell me about that from from your point of view
1: for sure um as a trainer, you know a lot of my identity as a person even was my athletic accomplishments. So my my clients would know, oh, Adam's gone this weekend. He's going to Michigan to run a race. Um, And that was my identity. It was, you know, an athlete that pushed myself and my clients were inspired by that. My friends were inspired by that and not being able to do any activity. I thought my identity was gone. And, you know, who am I if I'm not this amazing athlete that crushes these events and runs up mountains, you know? Who am I? It took a long time to get to the point where I've approached fitness now as a beginner. So it's okay that I'm doing, I'm in the gym and just doing bodyweight squats and, you know, very, you know, what I would consider simple exercises, you know, I can't run yet. So, okay. I can, I can bike. Um, I can do a little bit of cycling to get my endurance goals and I, I'm a little bit of yoga to get my mobility back. And it took a long time to get to the point to accept that, you know, that's a huge win just to be able to, to do any movement, is, that's my identity. It's not this athlete that's crushing events. It's someone who's making themselves better every day.
0: Right. I think that that's very well said. And, you know, it's, it's movement for the sake of movement and sort of that, you know, that Edo Portal quote, where, you know, the best reason to move is simply because you can. And yes. it's, it's very difficult to, to understand that and realize that until it's taken away from you. Definitely. I find that, you know, a lot of us, we take it for granted that we can just get up and go for a walk for two hours if we want to, or, you know, just randomly go play sports with our friends at some point that that may not be the case. And at some point, you know, you, you get an accident, something happens to you, whatever, where you, where you can't, you're physically prevented from it. It's, it takes quite a toll on, on, on your brain more than more than anything else.
1: Yeah. It's, you know, I took it for granted is for sure. Like you said, there is, you know, going for a run on my day off was just what I assumed I would do. I always, that's what I just did. And now that I can't run, it's, it's put things in perspective, you know, it's, movement is, is a gift for sure.
0: Right. Did the doctors say anything to you in praise at all about your level of fitness and level of health kind of heading into all of this? Was that ever something that came up in conversation where they, where they were happy that you were more fit maybe than the average person, so to speak?
1: For sure, I think in general I handled chemo relatively well. Um, they gave you, they gave me anti-nausea meds as well, so that to combat some side effects. But overall, I think I got through it pretty well, and I think they realized that is not only my mindset of being a strong person, but my fitness helped quite a bit to to get through it for sure.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, it. It again, we said it in the beginning, but it's like that seems obvious. But, but sometimes, but sometimes you, you never know. Right. And it's not like the message here is not get fit in case you get cancer. Like that's not the message. (laughs) The message is like, get fit because it's good for you. And if some shit happens, you're going to be a little bit better off.
1: 100%. You know, most people won't get cancer, you know, but they may have a bad injury and maybe sideline for a while. and Putting yourself in a position to get through it as smoothly as possible and making it easier on yourself is to me, a no brainer.
0: Right. Now Well, what was the time? Like, I guess it was really the one day, but after that surgery, you were in the hospital for eight days, you said, and then how soon after that did chemotherapy start?
1: Um, probably within a few weeks, it was pretty quick. Um, it's a radiation chemo start at the same time, but it was a pretty quick turnaround. They did the biopsy. Yeah. Within a few weeks, I think.
0: Okay. So then in that few weeks, again, you were already quite fit, but speaking to someone who may be going through something very similar to what you went through, what type of advice, and again, you know, disclaimer, not medical advice, blah, 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 all yeah. that stuff. What type of advice would you give to that person? L- let's just go from a physical standpoint of things that you may need to consider or think about. And then we'll kind of talk about a uh, support system and psychological standpoint second, but physically, like, what, what kind of stuff would you do to prepare? Could you go through it again or giving advice to someone else?
1: Yeah. Um, everyone's, cancer is such a, wide range. I think it's so difficult to, to say what people should or shouldn't do, but if, if you're preparing to go through chemo or radiation, keep doing what you've been doing. If, you know, if you have a fitness regimen, just stick with it. Just trust that what you're doing has been good. Stay fit. You know, if that's going for a walk, if that's, you know, doing 20 minutes of yoga, that's great. Just keep moving. And that, you know, the mental benefit of that is so important. Just having some structure in your life because it's, chemo was massively disruptive. You know, for me, uh, my, that whole year is that's what I did that year. That was you know, as a 30 year old the you know, one year of my life was just me going through chemo. So embrace which, where you're at, you know, it's going to be rough, but keep moving. You'll get through it.
0: Right. And I, and I guess that's a good, it's a good metaphor to literally and figuratively, you know, keep moving. Right. And, yes. and like you said, Definitely. I didn't even, you know, really consider that how cumbersome it actually is that it does take over your whole life. You can't really work, you can't really study, you can't really get it sounds like you can't it's hard to make progress at a lot of things, but even having that 20-minute walk per day or you know little stretch routine, you know whatever it is, it adds a little bit of structure to your life, to make sure you're waking up on time, you're going to bed on time, you're not just, you know, you're not doing nothing and sort of like wasting your time type of thing.
1: Right. For sure.
0: So then from a from a support network and kind of like a psychological standpoint, if you will, you know, that this is coming, you know, that you're about to start chemotherapy. If you go back and you know, you could tell yourself in, in March or April of 2020, what would you sort of tell yourself to, to set yourself up? It sounds like you did a great job, but how would you do it better or advise someone
1: else? I would say, don't isolate yourself. Cause a lot of times I just shut down and disappear into watching TV and being by myself, or I would go into the basement and just, you know, watch a random NBA game by myself. Um, just embrace the people around you because they want to help and people don't always know how to help. You know, they may be uncomfortable about it. People didn't know what to say to me when I said I have, oh, I have brain cancer. No one knew what to say and that's okay. Cause there's, there's no, there's no wrong thing to say, you know, just reach out to someone that you haven't seen in a while. Say, Hey, how you doing? How's life now? Just be open to people.
0: Right. That's wonderful. I would imagine, you know, you want to be treated normally, quote unquote, yeah. normally, right? You don't want people, you probably don't want people to, you know, pity you and be like, oh, Adam has brain cancer. I need to speak to him this way and feel bad and, and, and send him a text and every single day. And it's like, no, just kind of treat me normally. Check in on me as as you would, um, but, you know, treat treat me normally.
1: Yeah. And that's my, my friends have been so great about that is, you know, we tease each other, you know, we can be hard on each other. And my friends kept doing that, which my family did that as well, which is great. You know, that's, it's normal. So finding that normalcy is, is important because like I said, I didn't want to be pitied or, you know, no one looked down on me. Just treat me like me. And that's great.
0: Right. Yeah. It, it's, it's one thing, you know, uh, among boys, you know, you, you make fun of your buddies, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, shit on each other all the time. And it's all just, you know, good, good fun banter, but it's it's almost more concerning if, if nobody's like, you know, poking fun of you, it's like, well, hold on a second. You, you should be making fun of me for that, yeah. for that comment. <laughs> like what's, what's going on here? Why are yeah. you, why are you being too nice?
1: Yeah, that's yeah, more strange. I'm like, why are you being nice to me? What's going on? <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> but it makes you feel bad, right? It's just, but again, treat people like like people, no matter what it is that they're that they're going through.
1: You no, know, it's cliche, but you you never know what someone's going through. So, I recently worked in a retail job as I was just finishing chemo and getting back to life, and you know, people it's it's amazing. People are just so involved with themselves, and there are more people, good people than bad people for sure. But you just people are just so oblivious at times and it's it's shocking, but overall, you know, you focus on the good people and get through it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it it can be tough, especially in, in times like these, where everything seems to be exaggerated and everyone is, seems to be a little bit more selfish and like, they understand what's going on in their world and their life, but they're kind of don't, you know, other people's problems are their problems. And like, my problems are more important. And, you know, to, to take that, to take that step back, mm-hmm. uh, to look at it, you know, from bird's eye view to say, oh yeah, other people have stuff going on too. I don't have it that bad. You know, it could always be worse the, all those kind of sure. cliche yeah. type of things, but, but it's true. Right. And then working in a job like retail, you come across so many people where you see this stuff over and over again, and it just becomes, it can become a little disheartening at some point. I'm, I'm sure.
1: It is. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, again, focusing on the good people in your life, but you know, the cliche is true. You don't know what someone's going through. So just be nice. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. I love that. What's, what's next for you then in terms of the recovery process, like where are you at and what, what are the next say like three months look like?
1: Yeah. So I've been building up my fitness, doing well with that. So I'm, you know, doing strength training three times a week again, which has been great. Um, cycling as well. And I'm starting physio soon. So hopefully my, uh, coordination issues will be relieved a little bit. Um, so that's been a big focus. But also being back in the gym is great. You know, starting a new gym uh, in the last month. So I've got a few clients going and looking to keep uh, growing my client base and helping people with their fitness goals.
0: Wonderful. In, in some sense, and, and, you know, just to kind of look at the silver lining of this, do you find it almost a nice way that you're starting from, again, quote unquote zero? Because now it's like, well, all the stuff that, and I'm thinking this, you know, from, from a trainer perspective, it's like all the stuff that I knew five years ago, I know way better now if I could restart now, I could build up even better than I built up the first time. Does it, does a part of it feel a little bit fun to you to kind of go through it again?
1: It has been fun. Yeah, you're right. Like, you know, like I said, at first I was so disheartened where, you know, doing bodyweight squats as my main set was all I could do. And I was so broken down about that, but it is, has been fun because I do have the knowledge. Okay. I know how to squat properly and how to program a uh, progressive overload properly. So, Going through that quickly is it 's been interesting for sure it's a unique perspective
0: yeah and and you get the the newbie gains again,
1: right, which is exactly. always fun <laughs> yeah hundred percent that's been really fun <laughs>
0: yeah for for anyone who who might not know that term the the newbie gains is like when you first start going to the gym, you make progress super fast because your potential is greater, and then you know the more time you spend in the gym you got to, you know the, the the gains so they so they say come slower because your potential is, is less naturally, right? But the newbie gains are, are fun. It's like the, the kid fun. you see, the 16-year-old kid, and then you see him, he's 17, and he's gained like you know 30 pounds and looks like a man now from a boy. It's like, yeah, that's, that's kind of a real thing.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's been super but, fun, you know, working with those clients again, you know, translating what I've learned to new clients. It, seeing those people accomplish their goals again has been fantastic, for sure.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure it feels great to just be back in like a more social aspect, back to work, back to routine, back to seeing and interacting with other people again, because, you know, highlighting this entire conversation, like that sense of community is so important.
1: hundred percent. Yeah.
0: What type of people do you train now? Are you training people that are, you know, general population or people that are looking to do these tough mutter type races? Are, are those races, sorry, even, even happening right now? Like what's the current status of that I know this podcast will yeah, kind so of live they're, forever. They're,
1: but- yeah. They did a pretty full, um, schedule in the, in the States. They did a lot of races where they you know, COVID regulations are a little more lax. There weren't any events in Canada this year that I know of. Um, so they're getting back to routine, but most of my clients are general population people in person. I do train some people online that are runners um, with strength and mobility focus to make you like a more resilient runner. So that a little more specific in that case, but in the in-person in clients are, are general population. Yeah. Right.
0: So people who are getting into running as we come out of COVID, you know, and summer's ending, but you know, for the future, a lot of people started running for the first time during COVID and right. not surprisingly, a lot of people hurt themselves running yes. during COVID. So as a, as an experienced runner, how is it that you sort of teach and coach people to start making running part of their fitness routine, you know, slowly and sustainably?
1: hundred percent. Yeah. People definitely rush into running. Um, injuries are so common with running. You do need to treat running as a skill. It's something that is innate. You know, as you're a kid, you're a great runner, form-wise and technique-wise. But we lose it somewhere along the way. So you need to focus on not just getting up and going for a run. You know, do a warm-up. Um, focus on your mobility, improve your strength, and think about your technique. You know, there are a lot of resources out there that can help you with some little tips that will make a big difference. So don't just go for a run. Think about what you're doing a little bit because if you treat running like a skill. You need to practice it. And if you practice it and it incorporates some strength and mobility, you'll avoid injury and you'll enjoy running a lot more.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think, I think part of the, the beauty and curse of running is that it's so simple in nature, right. but that's what makes it or, or, or allows people to kind of attack it too aggressively. Yes. Whereas, you know, the opposite might be true in the gym where someone kind of goes in the gym and they, it's so foreign to them that they're like, oh, I want to be careful not to hurt myself. But you start running and it's like, oh, I know how to run. Like I'm, I'm a person with two legs. I can run. And so, yeah. it's, and then you just, oh yeah, I'll just run 5k, 10k, whatever. Like, no, 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 that's not, that's, if you haven't done that in 20 years, you can't just do that tomorrow.
1: Definitely. And I am a big one of going slow. Um, there's age when you're running. So a lot of people run in this sort of middle zone, whether it's kind of hard and then you run for half an hour and they're a little beat up running shouldn't be hard. It should be, it should be easy and natural. So if you finish 30 minute run, you should feel refreshed and it should feel good. You should feel like you have a lot more left in you. And if you do that. Over time, you'll be amazed at what you can accomplish.
0: Right. And you shouldn't really run to the point where, you know, your feet and your ankles and your knees and your hips hurt. Like it shouldn't, it shouldn't physically hurt. Yeah. Your heart should be pumping and you'd be out of breath and it should be difficult, but it shouldn't be painful on your joints. And if it is, there's something you need to address there.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Like I said, it's, it's a skill. So if you treat it the same way you would a squat, you know, you have to warm up for squats. You have to think about your foot position and how your hips are moving. If you think about running like that, you'll avoid injury and you'll enjoy running quite a bit more.
0: What are some of those resources that, that you mentioned? What are some of the good ones? I, I'm not a big a big runner, so I don't know them for sure, but but rattle them off for, for the people.
1: Yeah, off the top of my head, um, there's a, a guy named Kelly Starrett, you might know. Yep. He does um, Mobility WOD and the Ready State. His resources are amazing. Um, focusing on technique of running, but also the strategies behind the scenes, the mobility and strength have been super helpful for me. And my whole philosophy on running, as for running, is 80-20 running. There's a great book. I think the guy's name is Matt Fitzgerald. But the idea is you should spend 80% of the time that you're running in zone two, which is very easy. You know, the zone two calculation of your heart rate should be very easy, you know, conversational, and spend 80, 20% of the time in that sprinting zone. So where you're, you know, a track workout or a hill sprints. Um, that's been a great philosophy for me, and it's helped me a lot and helped People that I've worked with a lot, for sure.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. The way that I've kind of heard that sort of zones explained, especially in relation to running, is like that zone two is that's where you're going to build up the the engine capacity. Yes. And if you don't have that capacity, then you can't really spend any useful amount of time in zone five zone right. five might be, you know, biggest bang for your buck, but if you can only do one sprint a week and that's your max capacity for recovery and for everything, it's not really doing a whole lot for you. So you got to build up that engine first. And then it's like, okay, now we can put in some serious work at those more intense zones. And and I mean the same with different language, the same applies to strength training too.
1: Yes, for sure. And people are surprised to learn that, you know, Olympic level sprinters do most of their training in zone two. They have a huge engine which allows them to have the capacity to do that hard sprinting effort, you know, maybe 20% of the time. So, you know, they're running 80, hundred miles a week, probably. Um, They have huge engines and most people don't realize that.
0: Yeah. And it's, that's like, if you, if you see anyone posts on Instagram or whatever, they did like, you know, 30 sprints in a workout. No, they didn't. They didn't right. do it. Yeah. They didn't do 30, like no. maximal sprints. They did 30, right. you know, kind of like 50% runs maybe. And <laughs> and if they think it was maximal, it certainly wasn't because there's no way the best athletes in the world couldn't do that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Don't trust everyone on Instagram. <laughs> yeah.
0: That, that's, that's a good, a good life lesson for sure. Yes. <laughs> one, one thing you zeroed in on there on the running and, and we can kind of, you know, end on this is that as children, we're often good runners. We, you know, our body just moves and, you know, the running just happens naturally, so to speak. And somewhere along the way, we, we lose that. Why do you think that is? What are your thoughts and theories on this?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, we often see these um, images of a baby squatting and they're, you know, Mm -hmm. great hip hinge and they have great ankle mobility. And you're like, oh, I want to squat like that baby, right? kids running, throwing, crawling. These are all really innate movements that we lose over time. And I think sitting is a big part of that. It's all, you know, and there's been a lot of good work done with stand-up desks and people spending more time on their feet, um, but simple things like that. even, you know, when you go to the gym at the end of your workout, get on your hands and feet and just crawl a bit, you know, carry some heavy weights. Um, these innate movements are, are dying. So keep moving naturally and it'll have a huge impact on your fitness
0: overall. Yeah, I totally agree. The, the crawling is a big one. You think that, yes. oh, babies crawl. I'm like, okay, well, adults can't crawl. Like, what if nope. you want to get on the ground and play with the little baby? You know, you have a, you have a child or you have a, a grandchild, like you want to get on the ground. Oh, my knees hurt, I can't, but right. that's not okay, right? <laughs> you, right. You, you should be able to do that. And we need to move like humans and humans can crawl, humans can run, humans can jump, humans can squat, humans can, you know, XXX. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's important to do that. Where do you where do you stand on the uh, on the barefoot running stuff?
1: Big fan of that. I think people go too quickly into it. They you know they've been running in you know traditional running shoes for quite a long time, and they decide oh I'm just going to go to zero drop shoe, and they end up blowing their feet out. You know it takes a long time to gradually get to that point when you're running in minimal shoes. Personally, I was running in minimal shoes. Um, I like to vary what shoes I run in depending on the terrain and mix it up to. Keep my feet strong, but if you do it properly and methodically, you should be working back to getting barefoot and spending time in your garden, walk barefoot with your feet in the grass. It's underrated. You know, we have this two inches of rubber between us and the earth, and it's important to be able to uh, connect with the earth. And it sounds woo-woo, but, you know, go get barefoot, get down there and get dirty.
0: <laughs> no, man, it doesn't, it doesn't sound woo-woo at all to me. I'm, I'm smiling as you're saying this. People can't right. see it, but it's because... I literally say this almost every single day. And, you know, we haven't known each other that long. So we wouldn't, we wouldn't know each other, know yes. that about each other. But it's like, I'm always about take your shoes off, put your feet in the grass, yeah. put your feet in the dirt, put your feet yeah. in a river, put your, you know, whatever, get your feet yes. on the goddamn earth because it feels good. And it's like, uh-huh. you yeah. know, even, you know, people will text me, oh, you know, I, ooh, I went camping or so and so, and I actually took my shoes off and walked around and like, it felt good. I'm like, yeah, well. I'm not just saying that for fun. Like <laughs> this is for real, right? You got to do that. So it's always so, so amazing to me, uh, in this podcast, how, you know, connect with guests and, and people like yourself. And it's like, yeah, we, we all say the same stuff and it's not, and it's yeah, not, exactly. you know, it's because these are the things that work, right? This 100%. is Let this me, is just know, how it, it is.
1: I, I don't know the all of the science behind grounding, but you know, everyone I've talked to about it, it they feel good for some reason. And it's, it's a simple thing. Just take your shoes off, get in, get in the water, get your feet in the dirt. Feels good.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and if it feels good and it has no harm to you, then that's right. good enough. You know, we don't need to be a, a Ph.D. in in everything. Right. But but on the on the running stuff, I I had that same experience. This was years ago where I, I read the book. I believe it was called Born to Run. The author's Run? name is escaping yeah, sure. my. Do, do you know the author?
1: Um, Chris McDougall, maybe.
0: It sounds familiar, but you know, apologies if it's incorrect. But anyways, it was a book about uh, you know, these these tribes and they were running barefoot and I was like, Oh yep. sick, I'm gonna do that. You know, went from regular shoes, barefoot, you know, one hundred percent complete complete one eighty. Right. Surprise, surprise, a little stress fracture in my foot.
1: Yep. 100%. Not okay.
0: Right. Healed from that and it's like, okay, there's gotta be some like progression to this just like everything else. Right. And now I no. I don't run very much right now, but I'm super into the you know the barefoot and wear like as minimal shoe as uh, as possible at all at all times. And I think it's great; it makes my feet feel great, it makes the rest of my foot my body feel great. And it, it it actually makes me feel weird when I wear super cushiony, big heeled or big soled shoes. Like right. my body just feels off, feels awkward.
1: Yeah, the, that that border run book had the same effect on a lot of people. They just said throw the Nikes out, go into barefoot, and injuries were abound after that. So. Go gradually, but make, make a step towards it for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Go gradually, but go there. Yes. <laughs> awesome, man. Uh, what's coming up next for you? Kind of what, uh, what do you hope to do to, to you know, continue to inspire people and, and spread this message? I know that you're, you're just getting going back into a lot of things, but you know one of the things you, you messaged me was like, you know, your hope is to inspire people to realize that we're capable of so much more than we realize. So you know, what does that mean to you and how do you plan to, to continue this?
1: For sure. So it's going back to the same thing I was doing before is finding out what you're capable of. So for me, starting from you know, going up, being great fitness back down to earth, you know, starting from zero, where can I get to next? So continue with my training of endurance training and strength training and looking at a few events in next summer, 2022, hopefully getting back into obstacle course racing and just seeing what I'm capable of pushing the limits for sure.
0: Awesome man, I love that. I hope that those events uh you know hold true and and hope that the world uh, allows for it to, of course um because it would be it would be awesome and and uh you know what i hope I hope that maybe I get there one day as well to to get them done and hopefully this inspires some more people to kind of get active get out there and push the limits and uh become more capable or find out what they're capable of, and then push that boundary a little bit
1: definitely yeah you know wherever you're at there's a goal that's appropriate for you so Ask your friends. Go on social media. There's something out there that will challenge you in a, in a good way. So,
0: I love that, man. Where can um, where can people find you to get in contact or uh, you know learn more about uh, anything that you've got going on?
1: Yeah, best way to f- to message me is on Instagram at Adam Burns Adventure. I also have a few coaching spots available for um, my online clients, and I'm at resilientathletics.ca. So you can apply for coaching there or send me a message on Instagram. Love to chat.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll make sure that those. Go in the show notes as well so people can click through and, and find you there. Uh, but thank you so much for your time, man. I, I really appreciate you. Is there anything else that you want to leave the people with here in closing?
1: No, I think we touched on it. Like you said, it's you know, you're capable of more than you know. So wherever you're at, you know, make a good step towards selling outside of your comfort zone. You'd be amazed at what you can do.
0: Beautiful, man. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. I really appreciate all of you. I hope you enjoyed this. There's a lot here in this episode and a lot that I think can be shared with someone who may uh, be going through similar things, uh, whether it's cancer or any other difficulties in life. So, you know, feel free to to share this episode. Feel free to reach out to Adam and myself if you've got questions, comments, concerns, anything like that, as per usual. Um, Give me a follow on Instagram as well when you get a chance at Daniel Yoris. Give the podcast a rating and review on iTunes. Continue to spread the good message. Take your damn shoes off and touch the earth and go find out more of you. Thank you. Take care.